What do you get when the audacious and the therapist collide? A crash course in unpolished therapy. Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca aren't afraid to spin out of control, tackling all the tough talk. Their weekly sesh meets at the corner of Audacity and Advice, where their wheels and yours get turned upside down. Hi guys, happy Wednesday. It's Rachel Silver Cohen and Dr. Boca. So you know what that means. We are ditching the couch, grabbing the mics, breaking down all the unpolished wreckage on the corner of audacity and advice. Good morning, Dr. Boga. Good morning, Rachel. How you doing? I'm okay. How <laughs> it's actually loaded good to laugh. No, it's, yeah, it's, it's like a loaded that nervous question. Laugh. Yeah, I know. know. We've been sort of like on pause for the last couple of weeks, rightfully so. So to the audience out there, we've been here. We just haven't been on the corner of audacity and advice. We felt that. And I guess, Dr. Broca, you can help me with this. With everything going on in the world and by everything going on in the world, obviously, we're talking about the war in Israel and what's happening with Israelis and the Palestinians. It's hard to even get the words out. I just didn't know how we go on with our day-to-day and even with the fact that the work we do here on Unpolished Therapy, I do think does move the needle a little bit. We're helping others. And even if it is under the guise of some humor and silliness, we're making a difference yet with something as serious and sensitive as what's happening in the quote unquote real world. I just felt so uncomfortable and conflicted about putting out our stuff. And that's kind of why we've been on pause, I guess. Yeah, no. And you're right, Rach. I mean, I felt the same way. You know, you and I discussed it and we're like, do we move forward? And I think when anything like this happens, we do take pause and we do stop. And we have to, you know, we always say put the oxygen mask on ourselves before we put it on other people. And I think this is an example of that. It's like we had to kind of process what was going on, kind of recenter ourselves, reground ourselves. And then once we could do that and we kind of could make sense of some of the chaos. And it starts to say, okay, like this is going to be something that we're going to have to continuously reconcile in our mind and it's going to surface at times, but we have to continue on with the situations going on in our own world right here because that is the reality of every situation is like when something terrible happens, we still have to figure out how do we live the life that's in front of us because our problems don't go away. And so one of the things that I was thinking about is like we started this podcast in a time when the whole world was shut down and we kind of got to a place where we said we need to do something because living in this chaos of not knowing and not being wasn't feeling good for us. So after we put the oxygen masks on ourselves through COVID and tried to figure out how do we get through this and we decided this would be a great way to do it where we could connect and connect with others and bring people together. Now that we grounded ourselves a little bit more, not that we've moved on in any way, shape, or form from what's happening in the world today, but that we at least can begin processing it, we have to remember why we came on here to begin with, which was to bring people together, to bring some levity in a time when it's when we're all just asking a million questions and so unsure. And w- that's our job. That is our job is to continue to do that for our listeners. And so that's why we can take a pause and then we can come back and here we are. Yes, you said all that beautifully. It also, though, does beg the question if we're on air to 
inspire others or to share our own personal stories. Because as we always say, if I'm thinking it or you're thinking it, probably the masses are as well. And by masses, of course, I mean our listeners. But these scenarios in life really, at least for me, bring up this paralysis of analysis. Right. Okay. I call um, it analysis paralysis, but sure, we'll go okay. with that. Well, yeah. you know me, I'm always like, <laughs> like I'm like, I, I get it right, but like not exactly right. So I have it a little uh, No, you might say it right, right and I say it wrong either way, but we're talking the same thing. Yes. So, okay. So whether it's the analysis paralysis or for me, actually, no, I'm going to actually toe the line and, and stay with the paralysis of analysis. Because for mm-hmm. me, what happens, the overanalyzation of everything that's going on doesn't help me move the needle. If Mm -hmm. anything, it makes me stop dead in my tracks. And I don't know if I'm looking left or if I'm looking right or up or down. Somehow I feel like my feet are in quicksand or Mm -hmm. they're cemented down because I am so overwhelmed with how quickly the world is moving and moving in a way that feels so uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. And scary and full of fear and oh my yeah. God. And now, you know, again, we, we joke, you know, are we the smartest people in the room or the dumbest people? We're, are we, we're the adults or the children. And now sure. as an adult, right? And a parent, what has happened over the last several weeks now has put me in this state of Obviously, we're not ignorant to what's going on. That that right. blissful feeling of ignorance that I always say, oh, that would be so much easier is so far removed from my consciousness mm-hmm. and the responsibility that I feel I have that is so overwhelming, mm-hmm. okay? But the overwhelming then makes me feel paralyzed almost because I can't look away. Right. Yeah. It's like a car accident. Once I said you see that, yeah. it, you can't unsee it. And that's what's been going on in my mind and in my personal world and my community as of late. With everything that I feel with such passion, the love that I have for Israel and my Jewish people and our community, the coming off of the heels of, you know, the trip that we had talked about, you know, many, many episodes ago, what that has done for me on a day in and a day out, it is absolutely impossible and has been impossible for me to bury my head in the sand and say, this isn't my problem. And by no means was I suggesting that, oh, we've, we've wrapped this up in a nice little box and put a beautiful bow on it. And now we're not thinking about it. I have the news on 24 seven. We are in constant contact with our people in Israel. We know a lot of people who have been suffering and struggling personally. And, you know, we just got back from an amazing trip with our entire family in Israel where my kids did their B'nai Mitzvah. So, and I've always been connected to Israel since a child. And so by no means are we forgetting and in no means are we ignoring and in no means are we putting our head in the sand. What we're doing is, or at least from my perspective, what I'm doing is the first couple of days, we were all in shock. I mean, we're going through the grieving process. First, you're in shock, right? And you're like in denial that this could possibly be happening, right? And you're like, wait, what? How is this happening in a country that it has the best military? And how did they not know, et cetera, et cetera? I don't have to rehash everything. And then the anger starts to come in, right? Of like, wait a minute, like the horrificness of this. And so you go start going through all the, and you know, as Karen had talked about, all the the cycles of the grief process. And some mm-hmm. people go through grief quicker. Some people go through it slower. Some people go forward and backwards and forwards and backwards as, as Karen spoke on one of our episodes. But what happens here is, you know, after 9-11, you know, the world, our worldview that the world was a safe place shattered. 
Mm -hmm. right? And no longer did we walk around believing that these things couldn't happen. Israelis have always lived with the notion that the world is not a safe place. They never had that worldview. So they lived life like to the fullest, which is why this feels like a million times more horrific over there. What I'm going to say relative to how Israelis have lived and continue to live that I I'm so in awe of is that they have really learned, sadly, I mean, they've had to learn because of their history, Mm -hmm. uh, but they have really struck a balance between faith over fear, right? And that's the key. Yeah. And that is what I'm so inspired by and what I even personally have gotten out of my own adult education with my own Judaism and what I've learned as an adult over over the very recent several years. Yes. Um, And I think you need to say that again, the faith over fear, right? We struggle here with that, particularly the people who are unaffiliated with any type of religion, any type of spirituality, any type of connectiveness. You know, I'm not saying everybody has to be religious, whatever religion that is, but we have to be connected to something and have faith. And faith is a very hard thing, but it's in contradiction to fear, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you're fearful, you don't have faith that things will you know, that things will work out or that you're going to be okay or there's a reason for this or whatever the case may be. So people, it, that's why we get into this analysis paralysis part because we're trying to rationalize faith. We're trying to intellectualize how to ground ourselves in a faith. But faith by definition is not an intellectual process. And I think that's where we all struggle. So we all go into our head because that's what we were trained to do. That's what's normal for people is, oh, I have to connect the dots. I have to make this make sense. And once I make sense of it, I can control this. And therefore, I can talk myself out of being fearful or I can have faith. And the problem is that faith is not intellectual, right? Fear can become intellectual. We can talk ourselves into all the negative and bad things that can happen, and we can talk ourselves into all the irrationalities of things, and we can see all the possibilities. So we can make it that an intellectual exercise that we do to get us into fear, but getting us into faith is not just the reverse of that by giving ourselves positive statements. It's truly believing in something, whatever that something is, that we're okay. And people, we haven't mastered that here. We don't know that. It's a very Western mentality versus an Eastern type of mentality. And so I think you're absolutely right. We do struggle really with that. And for somebody like you, Rage, where control is the foundation of so much of who you are and believing in control, this shook that system again, right? This no, you know, I'm not saying this disrespectfully, it blew up your notion that if I continue to do things the way that I do things every single day, all good things are going to work out. I've gotten this down to a, a, not a science, but like I can handle the little things that come and disarray me. But for somebody who lives with an illusion of control, this was something that we're powerless over because it, it's like 9-11 and, and by no means is this like 9-11. This is way worse than 9-11, but it's the only thing that as we as Americans can really put wrap our head around, took away, it made us vulnerable and it took away the belief that we were safe and can control our surroundings by doing the right thing or being in the right place or protecting ourselves the right way. Yeah, and when we are faced with adversity and mm-hmm. adversity at this heightened level, if we are comparing it to something like a 9-11, I remember those feelings of just like 
stopping dead in your tracks and just not knowing what to do, how to handle at the time, you know, I mean, I didn't have children, but how to communicate with our loved ones. And you do feel this suffocation of lack of control and helplessness. Now, as a Jewish entity, you know, I want to put out there the, the pride I have that we as Jews, Dr. Boca, we are hopeful always, always, even if we feel helpless, we have to be mindful of making sure we continue to tip the scale in that hopeful position, right? And it is our responsibility now. And that's where my passion has come from over right. the last several weeks that I am identifying the the spark within me that was, I don't even want to say reignited, mm-hmm. okay, but ignited when I began my own adult personal journey with my own Judaism, because I realized, and this isn't right, wrong, or indifferent. It just, it was what it was from my own upbringing, right? That I recognize now I was going through the motions of being Jewish, right? And Mm -hmm. I had pride and I was proud of what that was because it was all I knew. But I realize now as an adult that while I was in motion with my Judaism, the emotion was gone. was kind of yeah. stale or stagnant or it was manufactured because it was just what I was taught, not what I felt. And I um, would say the same with 9-11 for people in America. Mm-hmm. It was this, we were all proud to be American, you know, because that's how we were raised, you know, yeah, yeah I'm American. Like, but right. it wasn't until this something happened like this where it ignited this yes. coming together, this real intense understanding of our freedoms and how we band together and we live in this country where we unite during these types of things. And I think for Americans right now, what we're seeing, especially the the Jewish Americans, right, or the American Jews, um, what we're seeing is that as Israel is coming together, America is becoming divided through this. We're seeing the division. And it's not everywhere. It's not everyone. But there's a divisiveness that we have going on here right now that where we used to get the comfort in coming together during these tragedies like 9-11, we aren't coming together the same way. The Jews are coming together who, like you, went through the motions, like me, went through the motions that we're, we we always identified ourselves. <laughs> we always said we're culturally, right? Or where we, you know, we, we follow the traditions, mm-hmm. but we don't mm-hmm. understand even any of what we learn. And um, right, or like we're not practicing. We're not practicing, exactly. And, and, right? Right. But it didn't matter if you were practicing, if you're orthodox, and this is your every single day, if this is rooted in your soul and being, we all came together as mm-hmm. Israel was doing this. But yet, did we all come together? No. There's a group of Jewish people who are saying and rallying against it, right? So there's still that disconnection. And yet we're seeing all of these rallies in our country right now where we it really highlights good, bad, and different. I'm not making the judgment here on air one way or the other, but good, bad, and indifferent, we don't have that solidarity together. And I think that's what's very different for the vast majority of people going through it, which is making it easy to be passionate and to be focused on our energies into Israel and wanting to take care of them because we need to. 
we need to do that right now. And so it's easy to sit in front of the TV and and rally for that. And it's so important. And, you know, people say it's like the Holocaust and never again. And we have always been raised, right? Never again has been imprinted in us since the day we were born, but we didn't really understand it. We weren't there. Now we're living through something where never again is now. And how did we get here? And the connection too, I think is so heightened and real because we're living how we feel now, right? Before it was what we read in a book or stories that were told to us, but we couldn't really make the connection. But now having walked on the soil and experienced it, for me at least, it completely changes my own personal narrative. And you you said TV, it reminded me that when I was a kid, right? In the late seventies and early eighties and whatnot. I remember so vividly, okay. Sundays, part of our family rituals, not every Sunday, but a lot of Sundays, my grandparents would come down for dinner, right? And then after dinner would go out to dinner, but then they'd come back to the house. And my parents historically would put on 60 minutes. Okay. Okay. Sunday night, 60 minutes. And we'd all sit on the couch. And I I mean, if I close my eyes, I I remember exactly where Mm. I was sitting. And I remember as a kid, kind of like, rolling my eyes, completely disinterested. And oh my God, here we go. I got to sit here for an hour with that tick, 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 tick. I was just going to do that. That's so funny because I was going to be, as you said, 60 minutes, I'm like, tick, 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 tick. Yeah, no. And I I would have, and it was almost like, it was like a bad homework assignment on a Mm. Sunday that my parents and my grandparents were now watching what was happening globally, right? Like Mm. this is Mike Wallace and this is Morley Safer and I'm Diane Sawyer. And I would sit there completely disinterested interested. I had, it was so over my head. I mean, the Iran hostages, right? I had no idea what was going on. And now I think to myself, I'm that parent, right? I'm the one who's watching the news and I want my kids to understand what's happening because on the one hand, I want to protect them. Right. But on the other hand, part of protecting them is also exposing them. Yes, expose and educating them on what's going on because as far away as the Middle East may seem, what is happening now is not far away at all. These are our people. This is our culture. These are our roots. And it starts in the home. And that is why I cannot turn away. And the sorrow that I have felt over the last two plus weeks here and that guttural feeling of my people right, are being persecuted. And it is, again, is it art imitating life, imitating art, imitating life? What we read as kids about the Holocaust, that now we're living through this again. And people I know that are so deeply affected Mm -hmm. directly, and the the indirect is still directly, that it's just... It's overwhelming. Overwhelming. And for me to have gotten on the air with you to talk about the silly nonsense, Doesn't even if, yes, it's we're helping and whatever. For the time being, it was just something that I, again, was was paralyzed with and just didn't feel that we could move forward until we had this conversation. And I 100% agree. And part of our platform is our authenticity, right? And so if I can't be authentic, I'm not going to go out there and pretend, right? Mm -hmm. These are real feelings that we are having. These are real experiences. And we have to honor those at our timeline. And so to our listeners who are still struggling, and we will all continue to struggle, or to those that are not even interested in that topic, when it is real to us, and when it's important to us, and when we're struggling through it, 
we are going to always stay authentic with you guys. It's part of who Rachel and I are. And if we don't show up, there's a reason we're not here. And it's not because we've forgotten about you guys. Mm -hmm. It's because, you know, we have to take care of ourselves first. Otherwise, we're no good to you. And the truth is, this is going to be an ongoing process for all of us. Just like after 9-11, we were all swearing that we would do it different. We would make America be so proud of America and support all Americans and be so kind and so, you know, helpful and all of that. And very quickly afterwards, every couple of weeks, it just got less and less and less. And rather than it being always in the forefront, it started moving towards the back. And I remember being in D.C. and remembering the silence. There were no airplanes in the sky. Everybody was friendly. There were no honking of the horns. It was Mm -hmm. like, oh, my God, this is like you know, utopia here. Mm -hmm. And a couple of months later, and we would say, we're not going to go into the subway systems. We're going to be so suspicious. And then eventually life started getting, you know, back to normal. People started losing their shit with people. You know, we would start to see some crime again. We would have the airplanes going. We'd get into the subways. There'd be subway attacks or metro attacks or whatever we called it in D.C. And soon after, here we are 20 years later and look at what's going on again, right? It's the divisiveness and the the separation of our country is is so prevalent. And how did we go from that to this? And you're just a mind boggling here, right? For people that don't keep up with things, this really went and flipped a switch for them. And so I, I say to everybody who's listening, everybody is going to mourn this in a different way. Everybody's going to have a reaction in a different way. But at the end of all of this, We have to be true to ourselves and we have to sit there and regardless, and I'm going to say this because I think it's important, is regardless of what our beliefs are, we're all humans first, but what transpired on the grounds of Israel was terrorism and brutality and inhumaneness. And regardless, again, of what people's views are and stuff, we have to acknowledge that it was barbarian. We don't do that. People don't do that. Humanity does not do that. And so that in and of itself speaks to the vulnerability that we all fear at this point. And so we're trying to make sense of that. And that's where we're getting into that analysis paralysis, because that is so new to us. That is so foreign to us. And it's against everything we've ever been taught, everything that we've ever learned. And now it's happening today. How could it happen today? You have the Holocaust, never again. You have 9-11, never again. Now it's here again. Like, what are we doing or what can we do so that we, now that we're experiencing it and touching it and being in it, what can we do to make it better? And I don't have that answer right now, but I think we all have to dig inside of ourselves and take off the blindfolds and take off the illusion that everything is okay because it's not. And that we all have this responsibility. It's not, you can't pass the buck. This isn't my problem. So someone else will clean it up. We all have a responsibility that we cannot turn a blind eye. And brutality and terrorism and these barbaric, barbaric actions, there is no justification for that whatsoever. And by ignoring the problem, you're making a bigger problem, right? We don't have to get into the details, but I had a scenario where it was kind of my quote unquote 
Esther moment if I'm sticking mm-hmm. with my Jewish roots, but to the masses out there, it was my Aaron Brockovich moment, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And it was this week because I felt personally that my own organization that I work for, I didn't really get the response or, or any response for that matter that I had hoped. And mm-hmm. I was not looking to build Rome in a day. I wasn't looking for mountains to be moved. I was literally looking for a blow in the wind, if you mm-hmm. will. And the long and the short is I just, my instinct of believing in faith over fear Mm -hmm. kicked in. And the fear of not speaking out was greater for me as a human being and a Jewish woman and a mother to Mm -hmm. boot, right, than anything. And my faith was that I have to speak out, right? So to make a long story short, I did, and I felt like it boded well. And whether mountains now will be moved or not is really beside the point, but it was taking responsibility, taking action, okay? And Mm -hmm. having motion with emotion. And again, not hysteria, right? Mm -hmm. But to be able to put one foot in front of the other and to know that I can wake up in the morning and feel good about the small little steps I'm taking that I hope at some point in the aggregate will add up. Yeah. And that's what I would say to everybody is there's no judgment here of how little your movement is or your impact is. It's We have to not be complicit in this. And we have to not say, well, it didn't happen to us because it did happen. It, it did happen and didn't just happen to Jewish people. It happened, right? It didn't just happen to Americans or Israelis. It happened to everybody, every single person in this world, no matter what side of the fence you sit on, no matter what your belief system are, it happened, right? We saw it. We got to see it. We have to do something. So speak and, or I guess, listen to what your soul is speaking. And even if it seems to you inconsequential, movement is movement and it sets the ball in motion for bigger things and it makes a difference on some level. And if everybody does just the littlest thing, it sets in motion an entire an entire domino effect. So please, yeah. everybody, and if everyone do does it. a little, no one has to do a lot, right? Exactly. And, and some of us are willing to do a lot, but for, for the people who are doing nothing, you're breaching the continuum yeah. of communication and education. And we do. I keep saying the word responsibility, but we have a responsibility as human beings yeah. to step up and do the right thing. And I feel in- incredibly passionate about that, that there's no way to move forward if we're not moving forward, right? Absolutely. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Right. You're paralyzed. And that's the... Yeah. So the back paralysis. to my para- paralysis. paralysis. You say analysis paralysis, and I say paralysis of analysis, right? So tomato, tomato. Doesn't matter. <laughs> potato, potato, right? But it's, it speaks to why we came back on, right? It's yeah. moving the needle. Some way, somehow, it is creating something in people, whether it's bringing them together, whether it's comfort, whether it's knowing that you are not alone in the gamut of emotions that we're all experiencing, whatever it is, if we hit one person with some meaningful thing or propel them into action, it was worth getting back onto the microphone. As difficult as it was to take that step, I applaud the fact that we did that. Yeah. So thank you for joining me in that. And maybe this is more of like an abbreviated episode, but I'll end on a note that certainly I am no sage, <laughs> right? Yes, but you are, one, right? Well, I mean, I'm okay. I'm an unpolished sage, yeah. right? Even if it's only to you. That's but okay. You're, I will 
It's a small step, right? Okay, it makes, right. It exactly. Makes nothing a difference. changes. Nothing changes. But what I will tell you that has helped me over the last couple of weeks, and I, I will share it and, it, and it's simple, but it's not. I think it's really poignant, which is if you are in a position right now, you by as defined as most of us, okay, mm-hmm. who have been so distraught over what has happened abroad and then what has happened here in America as a result of that if you look to the left and all you see is darkness mm-hmm. and you look to the right and all you see is darkness and up and down and all you see is darkness, the reality is that you, you. are the light, the light. Yes. okay? And yes. no one can take away that light. So continue to remember that we, back to this responsibility, we have a responsibility to be that light. And we can and we will. And I truly believe that if we have faith over fear, that we will have light again everywhere. Looking for it, feeling it, knowing that that it is all encompassed, but we cannot let darkness take over. And we have to remember that that responsibility to ourselves, to our community, to our family, to our loved ones here and abroad. We are the light and we'll continue to do whatever it takes to come out on top with all of this. I mean, Rach, that was beautiful. And I have so much I could say, but I almost feel like we should end on that because it was so powerful. You and I can continue to talk offline about all the things that I want to comment on, but that really was so powerful. And I think, you know, one of the things similarly is not only are we the light, but out of darkness always comes light. Mm-hmm. Always, always. We have the the nighttime and then the sun comes out, right? Mm-hmm. Always. And so we're going to see the light. We just have to help it get there. And each Absolutely. of us is that. So that was beautiful. So thank you for giving that to me and giving it to all of our listeners. You're welcome. So on that note, what I'll say is to our listening audience out there, if you have any comments, questions, concerns, we always want to hear from you. You know how to reach us, unpolishedtherapy at gmail.com, Facebook and Instagram at unpolishedtherapy. Help us bring the light back out. We, we, We need it. Absolutely. And please reach out to us because it helps us too. It it lets us know that we're not alone in this. And I just wanted to say that due to us taking some time off, we had a guest that was supposed to be coming on and we decided to push that. So we did tell you guys that there was going to be a guest this week and we apologize that we don't have that guest with us. But the following week, that guest will be here and hopefully we'll be able to have a little bit of levity back in our show. So. Yep. Thanks for sharing that with the listeners, Dr. Boca. So with that being said, let's maybe wrap it for today, but we want to wish everyone a great week. Stay positive. Remember that we have motion, but we also, it's important to have emotion also. Take pause, pay attention, educate yourselves, try to educate others, take responsibility. The littlest bit does a lot. If we all do a little No one has to do a lot, but we need a lot. We really do. And it starts with you. It just, it does. We've got to do our part. So I'm now rambling. So I'm going to sign off. Dr. Boca, thank you for spending your morning with me today. I needed it. I missed you. And we'll see you all next week on the corner of Audacity and Advice, where our wheels and yours get spun upside down. Have a good week, everyone. Great sesh, girls. Hey, everyone. Like what you heard? Then don't miss out on what comes next. Subscribe now and please give the girls a five-star rating. Learn more at www.unpolishedtherapy.com. Find and like them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. 
We'll see you next week when Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca ditch the couch, grab the mic, and break down all the wreckage. 